Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. pandemic opened up huge opportunities for cargo airlines. The extraordinary demand for air freight and elevated freight rates on account of the limited belly capacity in long-haul wide-body passenger flights is giving rise to the launch of quite a few new cargo airlines. There is a rush to get freighters of production and of converted types. But the current demand outstrips supply and cargo operators and airlines are pulling out parked wide-body passenger airplanes and deploying them as light freighters or cargo-only passenger flights on some of the most lucrative international routes. The latest one is Alice Cargo Airlines, an Italian cargo airline based in Milan Malpensa Airport in Italy. The airline has leased two Boeing 777-200ER aircraft from Boeing Capital Corporation. These aircraft joined Alice Cargo fleet after having their seats removed from the passenger cabins to accommodate more volume of cargo in the passenger cabins besides loading denser cargo in the lower deck. Alice Cargo operated its first revenue flight in August this year, connecting Milan Malpensa with Jinan in northeastern China. My guest today is Ulrich Augerman, the Chief Commercial Officer of Alice Cargo Airlines. Ulrich, more popularly known as Uli in the air cargo industry circles, joined the Italian business family, the Liali Group, late last year to launch Alice Cargo Airlines after having spent 30 years in the air freight industry. Uli was the president and CEO of all cargo airline Cargolex. He was the Chief Cargo Officer of Qatar Airways that went on to become the world's largest cargo airline under his leadership. Before joining Alice Cargo, Uli was with the Volga Dineper Group and helped the Russian all-cargo carrier to launch Cargo Logic Germany. Ulrich Augenmann joins me in this episode of Cargo Masterminds to discuss what is new at Alice Cargo Airlines since its commercial launch in August, the current tailwinds of all-cargo airlines, and what is the short to medium term outlook for air freight industry, even as the world makes slow but steady recovery from the pandemic? Oli, welcome to Cargo Masterminds and thanks for joining us in this conversation. Thanks, Reggie. Thanks very much. And thanks for the, for the great introduction. It's, uh, it reminds me of, of how old you get really after all these years and all these, all these episodes in the industry. But it's great to be here. Thanks very much. Uliba, bring us up to speed with what is happening with Alice Cargo since you launched your first revenue flight on August 18th. Yeah, I mean, that's the latest, uh, the latest project that I'm involved. I mean, it's great fun to be there because it's a, it's a startup company, a real startup company with a completely unique business concept. I mean, we, we just uh, had to make use of uh, so-called P2Fs, passenger to freighter, uh, convert semi-converted aircraft, which was not the plan. I mean, we initially had planned to, to launch our airline, certainly with fewer freighters, but then we were simply overwhelmed with the development and the speed of the whole pandemic development. And where there were ample aircraft around at the very beginning when we started, uh, by the moment we, we were able to pull the, to pull the trigger and, 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 and get everything going, 
the aircraft had disappeared and were flying in all directions all over the globe. And since then, it is getting extremely difficult, as you all know, uh, to get hands on freighter capacity. So we started with uh, these P2Fs, complete unique product. If you would have asked me two years ago, uh, will you ever be able to you know, operate such a product in, in, in the current environment, I uh, would have probably said no, coming from an all cargo and, and, and uh, a mixed operating background. Uh, but then all of a sudden, it was possible and it works quite well, I must say. Fully, are both your aircraft deployed now because you had taken uh, two B777-200 ER, both of them have their uh, seats removed from the, from the passenger cabins. Uh, are both of them deployed uh, on commercial routes? Yes, both are fully operating. I mean, we have actually put all the frequencies now into Hong Kong because this gives us some, some operational synergies to operate at the same place. Uh, so that's that's for us the best option to do. Uh, we, we try to be as as least complex as possible, both from a commercial point of view, but clearly also from an operational point of view to save cost. Uh, we could, as everybody who operates freighter-related capacity at the moment, we could basically put everything into the market that we have. So we ask on a daily basis for a lot of additional capacity uh, to and from Hong Kong, which unfortunately we cannot cater for. But all the aircraft are operating and, and both operating full blast to Hong Kong. So let me understand. So both your aircraft are operating from Italy, uh, Milan yeah. to, to Hong Kong. Correct. Six and frequencies a week. Are you not operating to any of the, uh, the Chinese uh, destinations? Uh, at the moment, not. Like I said, we have we have decided to uh, basically only cater for the market in Hong Kong because it gives us the possibility to combine two aircraft in the same destination, and it gives us both a commercial advantage. Our customer have an advantage uh, because we simply can optimize the cost base as well. Uh, so, uh, what has happened with your uh, with your partnership that you announced in uh, in August with the China Eastern Airlines, and what are the details of that partnership right now? We're very happy and very proud to operate together with China Eastern. Uh, this this uh, whole commercial lineup carries on. We have now shifted uh, the support from China Eastern to Hong Kong. Uh, they have customers as well there, so we are helping. China Eastern, hopefully in a satisfactory way, and it seems to be satisfactory. So we're going from Hong Kong for China Eastern into Malpensa and back. And what are the other routes that you have planned to operate in the near future? Are you looking at anything else? Because I remember in, in my previous uh, interview with uh, with you, you didn't make, make mention about the North American market eventually, and before that, maybe flying into also the other parts of Europe. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that, that, that's, that's a complex question because... In order to operate to a larger with a larger footprint, you need the coverage of aircraft, which at the moment we don't have. We're working on that. Uh, we are in discussions with various potential suppliers of capacity, and, and then we will step by step ex expand our footprint. Uh, we're also looking into Chinese destinations, but now for the time being, until the end of January, we will just remain in Hong Kong. Thereafter, remains to be seen. I mean, we're working also on. Uh, the respective permits you need to have for the U.S. market. That's all work in progress. Takes a bit of time, unfortunately, but uh, that, that's how it, how it is. And uh, we have to go all the regulatory steps that are necessary. And uh, then we will step-by-step step expand our footprint. Only what is the type of cargo flying in your aircraft? Well, we are not we are not very very much exposed to this. I mean, we know that it's a lot of e-commerce related uh, goods. It's partially PPE equipment as well. Uh, but we are basically 
chartering out the aircraft to our customers. So whatever they are loading on the aircraft, it's it's not that we that we will get in a very close contact with the final customers, because we supply the capacity and uh, the customers use the capacity. We know it's e-commerce. We see that from the density and the volume ratios that are put on board. Um, and, and for this, the aircraft performs quite well because especially with the main deck loose loading, even though it's not very efficient uh, from a manpower point of view, uh, we see that it's fully utilized and with the density volume mix you need for the e-commerce business, it actually works quite well. And Uli, are you selling uh, your capacity directly? Is that a long-term contract signed with your customers straight forward? Is that the trend right now? We are not selling for the moment to the freight forwarders, but we're selling to large intermediate uh, co companies that are that are getting the capacity from us. I mean, one of them being uh, China East and Shanghai Express. They have chartered the aircraft from us, and there's another large customer who has also chartered the aircraft from us. And then they are backing this up with their, with their respective customers behind that. But we are not involved directly in the sales process. We are not going onto the market, you know, for the little bits and pieces. It's partially also related to the complexity of the whole sales process. I mean, the easier we can, we can uh, do this, the better it is for us. And we think the better it is for our customers. Because if we would do the kind of retail sales, it would simply uh, be too much for us in terms of our resources. So we try to be as, li as, as little complex as possible. Uh, Oli, as far as I understand, with the partnership with China Eastern, you have an agreement for them to outbound cargo from China or from Hong Kong into Italy. And uh, from Italy, the, the outbound cargo from Italy to, to Asian countries. Is that something that you are um, responsible for? Well, in that case, what, what we would do is we supply the, the aircraft to the respective customers who are loading the aircraft from Hong Kong into Malpensa, they take care of all the on-forwarding that is necessary. Basically, we are partially involved in filling up the aircraft from Malpensa without going too much into detail here. Uh, partially, it's a responsibility of the customers and partially we are marketing part of the space as well. And for this, we have nominated uh, a GSA uh, who is doing this for us because we don't want to supply, uh, you know, our, our own sales staff everywhere just would be too too complex for, for a rather small operation such as this. That's one of the negative parts of being a startup airline because simply you have to play very carefully with the resources that you have. And who is your GSA? We have appointed ECS uh, for, this, for this job uh, who are known to the market, especially in Italy, they're quite strong. Uh, I've, I've known them from the past also in other, in other environments and we found them to be, uh, to be reliable and uh, performing to the standards that we need. Okay, now my important question and the next question is about uh, what are your plans for adding more freighters into your fleet because everyone wants a freighter today. Yeah, the first, first uh, request would be whoever sees this and has freighters available, please let us know because we're interested in talking to you guys. Um, I know that there is a huge hype around freighter aircraft. I mean, there's freighter capacity operating at the moment, which normally would be in the desert uh, since a long time, and everything is moving that can move at the moment. Uh, we foresee this still to remain for the for the next couple of months at least, if not longer. So I think that next year, 2022, we'll still see a huge favoritism towards freighter capacity. We are trying to, to get our hands on freighters now. We are in, in discussions with people that are 
providing us potentially with conversions, uh, potentially with still passenger aircraft that we would then convert into freighters. And there's various routes that we are investigating at the moment. I, I'm not at at the point that I can tell you really about the details that we're discussing too, but we're talking to probably three potential sources of uh, conversions. And we're looking at freighters that, that are occasionally offered to us to look at the, well, the ratio of, of, of revenue that we can obtain versus the pricing. So that's something that we're close investigating. We had offers, but simply some people are just trying their luck and they come up with very unrealistic offers to the potential clients and they're, they're, they're trying their luck. So one has to be very careful with the commitments that you take over um, because you have to be aware that the market one day can also, also change. It's not just a one-way street. I mean, I've to be honest, I would have loved to have this kind of environment in a lot of the, the, the operating phases that I was in with other carriers, uh, because it was very often a market that was dominated by, by the clients uh, themselves, and they were pushing down the margins uh, for us as the operator tremendously because there was so much competition. And at the moment, I think it's a blessing to those cargo airlines that have a lot of freighter capacity available of freight capacity as such. We are not in that lucky spot at the moment, but we are trying to work our way into that market. So only at the, at the current market conditions and elevated freight rates and the demands really up, and that's going to be the condition for at least in the foreseeable future. How many, how many aircraft would you like to have maybe end of 2022? And do you have access to the desired number that you like to have? I mean, we have a clear path in terms of what we think would be the optimal growth path for the company. Uh, that's more like a five-year perspective that we're looking at. And you need a certain operating size in order to, to, to get synergies in the fleet and have some cost benefits in your fleet. So I think we're looking at uh, a much larger type of fleet by the end of five years. How this will play out then by the end of every year remains to be seen because we could have a wish, but it... it really depends on what is available in the market. I think we should be able to at least double our fleet by the end of 2022, so then operate with four aircraft by the end of next year. And you're looking at all types of uh, aircraft, and are you also looking at uh, narrow-body freighters? Uh, no, we're not looking at narrow-body freighters, but we're looking at any type of aircraft where there's a chance to initially op operate them still as P2Fs and then with a the chance to convert them. Uh, but the most important point is that you get slots in the conversion uh, environment, which is changing also. It's a very uh, fluid environment these days. It's not like, like it was a very established pipeline. I mean, now you have providers that are coming onto the market that were not there a year ago. So the markets are really changing extremely fast and one has to, to make sure that uh, we're all staying on top of those developments because it's, it's really such a fluid market environment from a supplier point of view, but also from the demand point of view. Uh, so it's quite exciting and, and we, we see some opportunities for us there. There are several companies that have uh, popped up in the last one year offering conversion, um, freighter conversions, uh, established conversion companies putting up additional uh, assembly lines to meet the extraordinary demand. So what are you reading uh, from what is going on right now? I think the companies that have uh, chosen to go down a certain route uh, there were a couple of examples in the last weeks. They have all their own operating environment. They, they, they have their own business model. And I think you cannot copy this. Uh, to be in a European market and in a quite strong cargo market such as Italy that offers you certain opportunities on a global scale, 
but you cannot compare this to a situation where maybe you're operating, let's say, in, in, in an African market or in, in the US market, uh, because you have different players, you have different economic environments you have to take care of. Uh, if you're operating in the US, you, you, you're dealing with different market dynamics in terms of the stage length you can operate, uh, in terms of the potential clients you have. And you cannot compare this and shift this over to European Asian uh, routing proposition, for instance. So I can just talk for us and uh, uh, I don't have enough insight into what, what other players are looking at. One can just try to determine what the drivers of their decisions might be as far as it is known, but it's always a complete different business model that people are looking at. You know, capacity remains uh, very constrained and it is going to be even more so as we approach the peak season. In fact, the peak season is already there. Uh, given the current mm -hmm. mess that we see in the container shipping side, uh, is air cargo from your own experience, uh, having worked with some of the biggest uh, cargo airlines, uh, is air cargo equipped to deal with the increasing supply demand gap? And what will be its impact on the freight rates going forward? I think what we're seeing at the moment is really unprecedented. I mean, we see, I wouldn't say a collapse of supply chains, but supply chains are under tremendous stress because I think it, from a demand point of view, people have substantial available income uh, that now tries to come onto the market. Supply chains have been disrupted during the peak of the pandemic, uh, now finding it difficult to reboot the systems again because you have manpower issues, you have still uh, the occasional flare-ups of, of corona pandemic-related events in certain parts of the, of the board supply chains. I mean, in Asia at the moment, it is very complicated to go through various airports. Um, simply due to the shortage of manpower. And that's something that we never experienced before to that magnitude. Everything that can operate, operates, be it on the air freight side, be it on the shipping side, everything's booked out, everything's running above capacity, uh, fully being booked. Uh, and, and the infrastructure gaps are now starting to, to surface. I can just recall some of those events when we had the peak of the peak, maybe let's say the end of November in, in the normal years or the beginning of December, in the first two weeks of December, eventually that the hubs were overflowing. But this now seems to become an ongoing issue over many months. And I don't see a relaxation of this trend uh, for, the, for the coming weeks. I think even the normal uh, slowdown during Chinese New Year will not be as as, as steep as, as we expected it usually to be. Uh, this year, I think, will be, well, the next the next time, it will be less of a decline, simply because you will have the overflow from the previous period to be compensated and more to come thereafter. You know, when you read reports in the media, like I said earlier today about global supply chain, and today there, there are many headline news across um, all mainstream media, even air freight operators aren't providing the shippers much relief from the global supply chain hardship. Uh, Dubai just announced that it will stop accepting most imports at the Everett's main mm -hmm. airport at, uh, the, at Dubai as well as VWs to, to clear off backlog. Uh, it is the same case with many airports in the US. Uh, how do you read the current challenges and uh, from what you have uh, experienced working in, in Europe as well as in the Middle East, uh, what are your uh, recommendations? How can air freight industry deal with the current disruptions and the challenges? I think what always surfaces is that you can be as efficient as you like with your air transportation, the airport airport part where you 
involve the aircraft. Uh, even if this would be, let's say, 100% flawless, which it isn't because we know we have AOGs, we have uh, situations that you cannot fully utilize your space according to the booking situation. So there will be flaws. But the problem always arises when you hit the ground, basically, because the, the biggest congestion shows in the warehouses because it's not completely planable. Due to the delays of carriers, you will have not the optimal size of shifts in the warehouses, for instance. So then it immediately starts. The moment that the airlines are running late or not sticking to schedule, you will not have sufficient uh, or the, the adequate manpower on the ground. And then the clock sticks, starts to tick because then you will have a backlog starting and due to the flights being full the whole time, you will never be able to cope with the backlog that is building up. So the problems are in this interfacing with the ground operations and those effects that are that are happening in all the airports basically are multiplying in the operation. So at the end of the day, everything is disrupted and everything is running beside schedule. And that's that's an ongoing problem in the way that, that the air freight product is, is is structured in these days. Only when you when you read reports today that uh, the cargo revenue for a lot of the airlines actually reach up to almost thirty percent. In some cases, even to into sixty percent. Uh, having been uh, part of many of those uh, bigger airlines, all cargo airlines and the competition carrier, uh, what are some of the thoughts that come into into your mind? I mean, it's like I said before. Uh, I've I've never had the luxury, unfortunately, of of working in that environment. That you know, there's such a such a preference for the air freight product. I was normally at the other end of the of the stick, and we were fighting uh, to to fill the aircraft to have decent uh, yields. Uh, and then now it's the other way around. I mean, the 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 operators that are having substantial air freight capacity are able to achieve profit levels that were unheard of and unthinkable the years before. In a way, I'm a little bit jealous that I cannot be part of that. At the same time, it's also very satisfying to be part of a small startup carrier where we can you know, try to fight our way into the market and, and be part of that whole story. Uh, I mean, we obviously can never compare us to the large players that are around and that have a great time at the moment, but the markets will also change. And I think the most important is that you are realistic in your expectations, that you're realistic with what is possible and you don't see this as a new normal. If you look at the next 10 years, there will be a very strong equilibration process it's not going to take 10 years, but probably in, in two years, we will see a new normal coming up. It will not be the one that it was pre-pandemic, but it will be something that is completely different from, from uh, the current situation. You think uh, cargo will have that a place in the high table when it comes to, um, in, in the future, uh, do airlines give that preference uh, to air cargo once things get back to normal? I think that airlines have have overall learned the lesson that uh, cargo can contribute very strongly to uh, the profitability of the airline, uh, that cargo is necessary to even stabilize the combination carrier's product because you can't have long-haul operations without uh, the, the, the revenues generated by the bellies of, of the long-haul aircraft. And I think that comes much more to the forefront and I think in the future, the cargo product in itself will be strengthened in the combination carriers. And I think the all-cargo airlines will see the huge benefits that an all-cargo product has. So it's very good for those people that are involved in, in, in the cargo transportation product overall 
And I think it's also going to be a good thing for, let's say, future career opportunities in the air cargo business. Air cargo was always becoming a little bit of a, you know, side product, especially within the, 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 the mixed combination carriers portfolio. But now we can see that it offers career chances. If you're entrepreneurial, if you're quick in your decision-making, you can make a good living in this industry. And I think that will be a, a big benefit going forward that people see that there, there is a strong value proposition uh, within the logistics supply chain and the, and the role that air freight is playing in this. Uh, Olive, uh, we're still, the return of the wide body, long haul passenger flights are really, really slow and steady. Mm -hmm. But we also seen that uh, the more advanced narrow body planes are in the making. They are coming into, into operations. Uh, people are, or airlines are looking at to deploy those most advanced narrow body planes, giving very little cargo capacity on such planes, which can probably travel for eight hours, uh, uh, intercontinental travel. Going forward, do you think there will be a lot more reliance on freighter main deck capacity? I think freighter main deck capacity will be, let's say, a factor in the, in the all cargo operation. I don't think that there's a way back to, let's say, combination of main deck and passenger uh, like you had the, 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 the famous combis that, that some, especially one European carrier was, was very strong in operating or two large ones. I uh, don't think it's going to go back to this time again. I think there will be a specialization either freighter or in either passenger uh, product uh, going forward. Otherwise, I don't think the economics is going to work out in the long run. At the moment, it would work out. But like I said, it's not the normal situation that we're in. Uh, we have to look at what what will be sustainable in two years from now, and by then, I don't think that a combination product would be sustainable. Only my last question, and uh, and it is about uh, commercial viability, economic viability of operating these freighters uh, on intercontinental routes. Uh, these are cargo only passenger flights. Uh, you are a chief commercial officer, and you have strong eyes and observation on the on the economic viability of it. Uh, in the current circumstances, uh, are you happy with the way that uh, these aircraft you are able to put into, into use? At the moment, I'm happy uh, about the way, and it's actually much more efficient than I ever thought it would be possible, but we have to be realistic. It's just possible to operate this type of, of uh, product in a market where simply the supply-demand ratio is very much in the favor of, of the operator. Uh, but it is not as, as, as bad as you might think, because... With the change of, of the mix of cargo, you have the benefit that the e-commerce requires a lot of volume and e-commerce shipments are dominating the current environment. Uh, the growth comes from that segment. It's not the general air cargo that, uh, that, that will provide the growth going forward, but it's going to be e-commerce. So at the moment, I'm quite happy with the, with the way the aircraft are performing, better than I thought, to be honest, better than I would ever held it uh, possible. Overall, it, it will require a change. We, we will not be able to survive with that type of uh, product going forward. Uli, as always, uh, it was such a pleasure talking to you and I'm looking forward Amen. to more such conversations in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much, Reggie. It was great to, to be with you and yeah, looking forward to do this again. Things will change again and there will be Lots happening. All the best to you. That was Ulrich Augelman, the Chief Commercial Officer of Alice Cargo Airlines. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring cargo masterminds every Monday. 
Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.